Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's May Chexic discussion group call for tactical sovereignty. Like I always say, this beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh, and so therefore not the Sabbath. And one of the things Keith and I wanted to get into this evening is what really happens when people first start awakening and start realizing uh, the world they're in, um, that they start seeing what the system doesn't want them to see, which is the bars that are around them and the cage that is around them. That's what they're afraid of people really realizing and seeing. And that's the biggest step. But soon after that, you know, normally due to issues that people have, say, legally, whether they've gotten uh, problems with driving, with tickets, things like that, uh, or child support or taxes. I would say those are probably the three top biggies that cause people to start researching and looking into what's going on with this world and this realm. And that's when they really start waking up. And also, unfortunately, due to one of those three situations, um, like I said, whether it's taxes or maybe child support or driving problems and tickets, uh, they end up going down a rabbit hole that's geared towards one of those issues. And I think myself that there is really some rabbit holes that either are put in place or they're left alone because the system says, yeah, let the people go down that path. Let, let them think that that's how to take care of stuff because it's totally false. And that's part of what we want to get into this evening because so many of these calls that we have, so many of these podcasts are normally geared towards people that are already fully awake and they're kind of clueless, you know, as to some of these other things they haven't really paid attention to them. But people that are brand new to this stuff, it's like they have no idea what the heck you're talking about. You know what I mean? And so I want to do an episode, and that's what we'll do with this one, uh, episode 153, which is an interesting number. I'll get into that later. But an episode where the brand new people or the people on my YouTube channel I labeled as straw babies, you know, um, something they could listen to to give them a good overview as to this other world they're kind of heading into with, with learning these things. And Keith was just mentioning a live broadcast he did a couple of days ago, and he was talking about heading down this path because of uh, whether it was tickets or traveling or the driving issue and stuff like that. And he had some good stuff that he shared on that live broadcast. So, um, I'll step back and uh, let you discuss some of those things that you were mentioning. Keith, go ahead. Um, good evening, everybody. Hoping everybody's having a good day. Enjoying life, living life, loving life. Um, my, uh, my, my basic overlay of everything I've done in the last four years 
and according to my own particular situation, um, as it is currently, like Ryan said, there's many different situations that people run across in life that bring them into this arena of going down to these down these rabbit holes. And we have to realize that each of us is different, and so we have these different areas. Um, again, like Brian said, the, the travel citations um, uh, or traffic citations, um, child custody, child support, taxes, those are the general things that people get involved in this in because that, those are generally the most corrupt areas of life. And what I want to get to first is that it comes down to a separation. Brian and I were talking about this uh, just prior to the show. The separation um, we see most dramatically in like, the political parties. We've got two, uh, a one-party system with two parties that people don't even realize, and it's all drawn to keep us separated so that we can't come together in these rabbit holes and find the true information and make it a, a real remedy. It's very difficult. And one of the things that I mentioned in the, the video I did yesterday was this fact that we all have these different areas of life that it's affecting us, so none of us really knows where to start. And one of the things that I mentioned in my video is that we've got to start with ourselves. The reason that we have a government is that we have people that are dependent upon that government. Now, when we think about dependent upon the government, we think about somebody that's totally dependent versus somebody that's uh, not quite so dependent, somebody that's uh, got a good head on their shoulders and knows how to run their own financial affairs, and that's what it comes down to is the financial affairs. If you're, if you're letting anybody else take care of your financial affairs, you've already lost the game. You've already lost it. And, and the reason I say that is because you become dependent on somebody else determining what your life is in regards to what you're going to pass on to your younger generations. If you're not taking care of that aspect yourself, if you don't know how to take care of that aspect yourself, then you're, you're not going to be able to uh, pass that on. All you're going to do is pass on the same debt that you're living in. And this is what we're talk, we talk about in the Bible when it says uh, you pay for your father's sins. Uh, Hosea 4, chapter 6. Or, Hosea 4, verse 6. My people shall perish for lack of knowledge. And if people don't learn this stuff, um, then, then something um, is, is going to be lost along the way. We, we have an inherent um, instinct naturally to take care of ourselves if we're out, and out um, in a survival situation. But we don't think about it like that when we're living in a society when we can depend upon other people for the little, little things that help us along the way. But it's those little things that, that we become dependent upon that lead to the greater things that we become dependent upon. And the more we become dependent upon everybody else for all these little things, the more we're giving up, whether we realize it or not. And this is the basis of how this system works. This system works by tearing us apart and making us dependent upon each other. And so these rabbit holes, again, like I uh, said in my video, I went down the rabbit hole for the travel uh, citation stuff. But in that research, 
I've come across all these different aspects of what's wrong with the system that everybody else is dealing with as well. And that's the, one of the reasons that I say that I do this for you guys is because I've already been through the situation about banking, um, about taxes, about child support and custody issues. Those were events earlier in my life that I took care of through business aspects and the relations aspects, aspects that I've been going through for, for many years. I haven't paid taxes for over 15 years. Um, I haven't paid child support or anything like that for a number of years now. Um, I did have custody of my child. Um, there, there are many different things that if we correct one at a time and concentrate on making sure we know what we're doing one thing at a time and we pass that on to our, our younger generations, our younger generations will catch up to where we're supposed to be at are with this government. Many people think that they're dependent upon this government because somebody else instituted the government and they have to follow the rules. No. You have to make your own rules. You have to make them valid rules. You have to make them in peace. You have to treat each other with, with peace and respect and live in love. And that's all it takes. The government that people have been... been uh, have become dependent upon is a government for people that are dependents, not for be for people that um, want to use it for tax loopholes and stuff. You're not looking at things right if you're trying to use this government for tax loopholes. They they got you um, they, they got you all confused with this, this uh, political system with the religious system, particularly the education system. The education system is the biggest problem as I see it. Um, it's one of those things I spoke of in my video as well is that um, when we, when we want to try to find solutions to this stuff, the education system itself, we can fix that. We can fix that ourselves. We can fix it while the public education system is still being used. And I, I refer to my own situation in this when I was adopted. Um, the the pe people that adopted me kept me going to the public education system, but they all also knew the value of teaching me things at home. And so when I got out of school, I was questioned about my schoolwork. They got involved. They helped me out with uh, literature at home. I had a whole library of different source material at home that I could use for my study and research aside from the materials that were provided at school. Um, they taught me um, various different things about home life that they don't teach you in school. Gardening, cooking, um, all of the different things about taking care of um, your own life. My dad taught me about uh, um, lawn care and maintenance of uh, tools and everything like that. Um, and, and an automobile is a tool. And so I learned how to take care of my own automobiles and I've never really had to use mechanics and um, I had a paper out from the time I was 10, so I learned my own finances and how to take care of my own ledgering at a very young age. And this was all stuff that were added aspects to the public education system that I had that gave me an advantage today in all of these rabbit holes that I'm searching. And one of the things that I found is that all these rabbit holes have the very one thing in common, and that is becoming dependent somebody else to do your 
finances. Period. That's the entire problem with this system. And when we get down to that, I think Brian was uh, leading to uh, trying to help the, the new people figure out how to get involved in this. And the best way I can explain it, um, I don't know who we've got for new people on the line tonight, but if there's anybody that's new on there or anybody that's been in this fight for a while, and I've been, like I said, doing my research diligently for a solid four years now, and I see so many people come into these forums and they want the, the, the information and help to help them out with their cases, but they're standing there with a lawyer, an attorney. I'm going to tell you um, that it's the worst thing you can do if you really, truly want to educate yourself is being dependent upon a lawyer, an attorney. Their sole job is in the name, attorney, which means to turn over. And they don't mean turn over a sheet of paper from one face to the other face. They mean turn over property. They're going to turn your property over to somebody else and they're going to take a chunk of it for salvaging that operation. They're going to, be, they're going to take a chunk of it for salvaging a contract that was instituted, implied, um, presumed, assumed, and make it good be by turning over your property to somebody else without you knowing, without the benefit of being able to stand up for yourself. That's the first thing you do when you hire an attorney is you hand everything over to him, everything. I you, are no longer any, you are no longer any consequence whatsoever. You've already handed him all your property. <clears throat> Yeah, Keith, I want to add to that um, as far as the attorney goes. And I'm going to give you a real-life experience, okay? There was a situation I was involved with several years ago. And uh, the attorney that was taking care of things, for the most part, um, lived in a different town. And so he appeared telephonically, okay? He, he was just over the phone. I was sitting there in real life. And the court administrator, who people think is a judge, um, started questioning me about a couple of things. And he piped in and he said, uh, hold on just a moment. He says, I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet about these things. And I think it would be best if I talk to him first before we move forward in that direction. And the judge uh, said to the attorney, very simply said, you do understand your position is bifurcated here, right? And people need to <laughs> comprehend what bifurcated means. Because when I heard the judge say that, I was like, wow. Because I'm sure she yep. said that thinking I had no clue what she was talking about. And most of the people sitting in the studio probably didn't know what was being talked about or what was being mentioned. But bifurcation means a separation, a division. And what she was reminding him was that his allegiance wasn't just to me, but it was first to the courts. Correct. And if you go into Corpus Juris Secundum, I think it's uh, Book 4, Section 7, it'll tell you that. It lays all that out as to what the attorney-client relationship really is and where the allegiance is really at from the standpoint of the attorney. 
Um, so yeah, so to to hear so many of the things I've learned, I've I've just opened my ears and paid attention when I've heard these people talking, and there's so many freaking nuggets they throw out there that people don't even realize that they're hearing. Anyway, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, bifurcation means two paths. By as in a biplane, two wings, two paths, and uh, that's what they do when they they issue the birth certificate. What they do is they create a second persona, they create a commercial person, and that's what they're after. When these lawyers, uh, when you hire an attorney, that's who they're representing. They're representing the people. Um, they're, 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 they're supposed, their first duty is to the court. Their second duty is to the people. The third duty is to themselves or the firm that they work for. And like I said, this is because you yourself, when you hire an attorney, have already turned over all of your property to the attorney. That means your person. You've already turned your person over to the attorney. The attorney is now the one that's over. operating your person. Excuse me? You've turned your rights over also. Your rights are your property. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And, and that's, you know, that's what they're doing. They're, they're saying that they have personal jurisdiction. Um, and when you hire an attorney, that's exactly what you've done. You've already given them personal jurisdiction. Um, that's one of the problems that they have in my case. And, and uh, that's why they, they him hot around the issue. And they never really stated that they had personal jurisdiction or territorial subject matter, because uh, they really didn't. They they tried to force the attorney on me. They ended up assigning him as a standby attorney. But uh, either way, I never acknowledged his presence, um, never accepted his, uh, his hire. Um, I told him specifically if he said one word in that courtroom, he was going to be held liable. And consequently, he sat down and he ignored everything the judge told him because uh, he knew he couldn't do anything to me. He knew that um, there, there wasn't going to be anything he could do in regards to my person, because I was standing up and vehemently trying my best to <clears throat> fend for him myself. And this, this is a case um, where I turned in the birth certificate at the uh, sentencing. Um, I'm pretty sure... That had a lot to do with me not getting the full-term sentencing um, the sixth, sixth time around this time on a sixth offense possession charge. All five previous charges with attorneys, I got full uh, penalties, two years and fines and all that. And this time after going in there and not accepting the attorney and being belligerent and calling them all kinds of names and fingering them, calling them communist bastards and everything, um, when I handed in that birth certificate at sentencing, the tone in the room changed. Now, this is back in the beginning of my uh, research again, and the rabbit hole I went down took me to that birth certificate. And like I said, um, every issue that we deal with is commercial. And again, back to uh, the bifurcation, that's what causes it is that birth certificate. That birth certificate is a financial instrument. It is the start of the commercial life of your person or of a person that you are granted by the United States to use in their commercial system. 
And that's that's one of the things I think people need to really comprehend first and foremost is that any time you hire an attorney, you've just given up every bit of your property. And like Brian said, your rights to it as well. You you are inconsequential now. Yep, absolutely. And um, somebody put in the chat, uh, they post in there, CFR 7211, which actually that, yeah. that section, it, it's actually uh, 27 CFR 7211. And that, that actually yeah. talks about all crimes being commercial. Because one of the things I think that people first need to realize when you start learning these things and you learn about the birth certificate and all this stuff, is you have to look at where authority lays at. And authority only lays, from what I've learned, in two places. It lays with whoever created and owns a property or whoever bows down to you. Those are the only two places that you have authority at. And uh, Keith, Keith was mentioning jurisdiction, and I think that's a great Thing that we to address right now because one of the first things that people are going to see especially dealing with court cases is there's people who have never even been to court that are going to mention in comments they're going to say oh yeah you can question jurisdiction anytime during a case right and you're always going to see that or people saying oh well the first thing you've got to do is that you have to uh, require proof of jurisdiction and I see that from people, and I immediately know they have no clue what they're talking about. Because when it comes to jurisdiction, that's just not a one avenue thing. There are facets to jurisdiction, which Keith mentioned. Uh, in personam jurisdiction, which means do they have jurisdiction over the property? There's res jurisdiction. Do they have jurisdiction over a thing? There's territorial jurisdiction. Uh, which means, are you in the realm that they administrate so that they can have uh, jurisdiction? So, I mean, there's there's multiple facets to it. So when people just say, oh, question jurisdiction, I mean, that's kind of a real blanket topic that, that you've got to specify things. Um, right. Well, there's... One of the things what I was, was one of the things I, li- I like doing. There's an attorney show that I like listening to once a while on the radio, and I think it's called Handle on the Law. And he says, you know, this is where I tell you you have absolutely no case. <laughs> and um, you, I, I listen to the details of what he's saying, and everything he always asks is, "Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof?" Did you take pictures? Do you have this? Do you? Because if you don't have evidence and proof, you've got nothing. And it seems like that goes in one ear and out the other of the people that call into him for advice. But what those yeah. things are, those things are evidence of jurisdiction. Yep. Every every piece of evidence is is in relation to jurisdiction. And what uh, what Brian is saying here is uh, there's seven different elements of jurisdiction. The very first element of jurisdiction that they must pass is personal jurisdiction. They must prove that they have jurisdiction of the person 
And this is one of the things that I try to point out to people that I've, that I've realized throughout my research is that when they initially bring a case and you have not hired an attorney and no one has done anything in regards to um, establishing that person on, in, and for the record. And what I mean there is registered that name to perform commercially. There is no record until that. Everything else is a is a uh, is a fraud upon the court because uh, a one business is not supposed to be conducting business with another business that is conducting business fraudulently. In this commercial system, we have registrations and licenses um, that people are required to have in order to perform the perform commercially. This is why they say we have to have a driver's license. That driver's license is not a DBA. It was never explained to us as a DBA or anything. That driver's license is just a, a third part to a um, series of transactions called a lease. But when it comes to uh, the uh, registration of the DBA, these people, these lawyers are bringing these cases against a defendant in the all-caps name, stating that it is a ends legis, a commercial entity, and that uh, they are filing a claim saying that it has to follow a set of policies because it's a corporate entity, it's a commercial entity. Yet, if it's a commercial entity and it's not registered as a commercial entity, even it is not subject to those commercial regulations because it's not allowed by that system to operate commercially yet by its own regulations. So even the personal jurisdiction in all these cases is fraud. They can't have it unless that name is registered. Well, the problem with that is if the, the only one that can actually register that name as doing business as is the one with that name, then the lawyer named Tom Sullivan can't come into, into court and say he has personal jurisdiction over Keith Orland Little because he's got a DBA in that name or that Keith Little's got a DBA in that name. He has to have a contract now proving that. So when it comes to the personal jurisdiction, before they even get to the issue of a, of a contract to discuss subject matter jurisdiction, they have to prove personal jurisdiction, which they can't possibly do. That personal jurisdiction must be granted. Yeah, it must be explicitly be, granted. Yeah, it cannot be... It cannot be presumed, it cannot be implied, it must be granted. The only way that property can get transferred is through a grant. And the person is a piece of property. It is, a, it is a, something that gets granted by a trustor to a trustee for the beneficial use of another. And that hasn't been completed yet. That process from the birth certificate of use of that person, that transaction, just like the motor vehicle lease, that driver's license, that's the third part of a series of transactions. The birth certificate, that was just the first part of a series of transactions. That series of transactions to, for that person to perform commercially has not been completed. Without that being completed, the driver's license can't be completed either. It's all fraud. Unless you get right. step up 
and do a, a registered uh, doing business as, or like I, I try to explain to people, you can do on an international level the same thing as the Rule uh, 220 with Minnesota registering a DBA. You can do a international business corporation. Same thing, just on an international level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember I was looking on a Swiss government site, and I was just reading their information under, like, DBAs and things like that, just looking to see what they had listed. And I thought it was funny that the next morning I had an email from some official, Swiss official, uh, saying, oh, I saw you were looking around. Uh, you want to uh, register a business name with us? <laughs> and because, you know, and that's something I kind of toyed around with in my mind, because if you're going to list it somewhere, rather than even doing it as a name holder through Minnesota, and I do want to address that. I'm going to get back to that in just a second. Uh, rather than doing it that way, why not do it in a neutral territory, putting yourself in a neutral position? I mean, I just thought in the back of my mind, it's kind of a curious idea to go with. But as far as the Minnesota Rule 220 thing goes, and a lot of people doing the name holder through there, and I comprehend that one of the reasons why people are doing it is because some of the wording that is showing you is different than what is shown in other states. But this is what I have to say about Minnesota Rule 220 uh, name holder situation. And um, having that certificate, that name certificate, the ANC, is that, number one, when you're registering a business name, the name that you're going to be operating through in commerce, and when you look at the name that you're going to be operating in in commerce, kind of, I always like to say, think of that as a debit card. Your debit card is what you're using to transfer funds from uh, an account to a business, something like that. That's the same thing that that DBA is or that, that that name is. It's a tool that's being used that's recognized by all parties. Okay. Now, when DBA is set up or the ANC is set up, it's really specifically supposed to be for the area where you dwell and where you are conducting commerce at, okay? Right. Um, if you live in Utah, setting up the ANC for Minnesota isn't going to do much. I know a lot of people want to look at it and say, well, there's supposed to be the equal footing doctrine, da-da-da. Well, but you're not living in Minnesota. That's not where you're conducting business at, okay? Now, on top of that, I want to say, just because Minnesota has different wording doesn't mean that the same process isn't looked at the same way in different states. Minnesota just let a little bit of a cat out of the bag is all they did, whereas other right. states may not give you the full info as to how they see the situation, whereas Minnesota did. Right. So if you want to go, say if you live in Utah, you want to set up, the DBA or whatever in Utah, that's totally fine because their Secretary of State is going to see it the same way as Minnesota does, even though they don't have it spelled out in the same language. 
And I think that's right. very important for people to realize. Just like I saw in uh, Secretary of State for Oregon, for instance, under the same situation. Secretary of State for Oregon said, you may not, possibly may not, have standing in court or if you are conducting business under an unregistered name. And I think that's extremely right. important because, you know, and like I said, that's just a little tidbit that Oregon threw out there. All the different states might throw a little bit of a tidbit of how they see it, but they all see it really the same way. And I've even seen right. this used in court cases, for instance, where, for instance, a third-party debt collector was coming against somebody, okay? And this man or woman had done their homework, and so they essentially had one question to them. And that is, um, thank you, I see you're claiming that there's a debt owed. Um, I've checked out your law firm and checked out all the information relating to you, and... I don't see anywhere where you are registered to be conducting commerce in this state or specifically in this county. Correct. And they couldn't answer that. Yep. And and the man or woman won their case because of that. Because guess what? That law firm didn't have standing to be conducting commerce because they were doing it in a name that was not set up to be doing commerce in that county or state. Right. When when it comes to the subject of standing, comprehend people. You don't just have standing to bring suit. If you're brought into a case as defendant, they're automatically giving you standing. They're giving you a standing as a defendant, but you still have standing as that defendant. You can still stand and make your voice heard in that courtroom. But it is only as defendant, not as plaintiff. This is why we have to uh, um, be diligent in our research and know this stuff. Because, again, um, just like Brian explained with that case there, if they don't have um, a name registered to do business commercially, then they shouldn't be in the courtroom. And if the person that they're filing a commercial claim against isn't registered to do business, then they need to prove that they were performing business and go after them for performing business without being registered. Keith, Keith, you know what? You know, we hear so many of these things in little idioms through our life without even realizing it. I mean, how many times have we heard the phrase, oh, don't worry about it, it's just business? Well, guess what? Yeah. Everything that's going on there in the courtroom, it's just business. It's just financial yep. transactions taking place. That's all that's going on. Um, yep. Next time I get downtown here, I I'm going to take a photo and post a meme because the SunTrust Bank sits right next door to the courthouse. And in between the second floors, there's a skywalk in between the two buildings. And in fact, in the SunTrust Bank on the seventh floor, is the attorney general's office in the bank? Oh building. wow! That's messed up. I and, was, I was, know, I was, I was, I was thinking it's pretty funny that you got a SunTrust bank connected to a to a county bank when you said well, courthouse because that's county bank. <laughs> yeah, 
And the funny thing, too, is that it's Sun Trust. It's a trust company. Yeah. Sitting next door to yeah. the courthouse with a skywalk in between them. And, you know, something I've meant to mention on previous podcasts, and I haven't said, is that, um, Keith, how many times have you and I talked on the phone with each other? How many personal conversations have we had? Um, quite a few. But if you, I, I don't think we've had one. Have you ever called me? Have I ever called you? Oh, no, not on the phone. On on these talk shoes and stuff we have, but not, not yeah. a, I, don't, I don't think I've got your phone number. No. Yeah, I don't have yours. But, you know, I've, I've been able to tell from some of the live shows that you've done and posts, and, and I've, I've watched you grow over the past uh, three or four years with, you know, the experiences and things that you're doing. And at first I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> this guy needs to pay a little closer attention. And you have, and you've done an awesome job. And that's why here a couple of months ago, I was like, dude, come on and be a co-host with me on the calls. And I'm sure a lot of people probably think you and I communicate regularly. You and I have never communicated outside of no. what you're listening to right now. But yeah, um, I, I can just see who can who can see the truth, and I can tell who's still a little bit foggy on it. Yeah, when I when I got into this, um, I, I I didn't know how to do my research, and so what I did was. I uh, started looking um, for people that were doing the same kind of thing as myself. But again, it, that's having to do research. I didn't know where to start. I hadn't the first clue. And so I was doing research on the birth certificate. And uh, that's when I ran across the Tactical Sovereignty Show. Um, I, I started listening. This is back before the Colorado Nine uh, ended up getting thrown in prison. And I started listening to this show, that show, um, another show, watching YouTube channels, um, researching the birth certificate, Social Security cards and their different forms and everything. <clears throat> and that was one of the things I liked about the tactical sovereignty that Brian put together is that it, uh, it had such a varied group of people, but they were all researching a single remedy, and that remedy started with a birth certificate, and like I said, everything is commercial, and it all starts with that birth certificate. Um, that's the first financial instrument that's created for the person um, under that 14th Amendment. And we have to realize that's the biggest corruption that's being used against us, so that's where we've got to start learning. And that's why um, I started watching Brian. Um, I think that was back when you, I don't think you were doing videos, but you had done a couple very small, short ones, and I caught those. And uh, I, I really liked how you present yourself and the information. And I think that's key because it, it's important to slow down and not be excited about the corruption that's happening in our lives. So, so much so that it distracts us from being able to educate ourselves and do so properly. I mean, Keith, Keith, let's go in, let's go into the birth certificate because I think that's the first thing that people run into when they start researching, whether they're researching travel or taxes or whatever. 
they first run into the straw man word, which I really dislike the straw man word. Uh, straw well, man me... is actually used as far as a um, a point of when you are in an argument with somebody, you throw a straw man theory out, which is actually um, something that kind of diverts from the conversation. It's kind of a falsehood. And that, that's where that word comes from. So uh, let, let's tackle well, what the birth certificate really is. Because a lot of people think it is for you, your flesh and blood, and they think that they need to go and create a brand new birth certificate to supersede it. And that's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> anyway, uh, what well, would you have to say on that, Keith? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where a straw man came from. And... Um, the 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 uh, strongman theory that you're talking about is, is just that it comes from people using it in that sense. When when you get in an argument, somebody says, "Oh, that's just a strawman theory," as if though it doesn't really mean anything. Let me tell you what strawman means. Strawman comes from, uh, and you'll read it in Black's Law Fourth, I believe, is uh, Straminius Homo, and it comes from the concept that. A nation is built upon a single man. And if you take a single man from a household and throw him in prison, and it will cause the downfall of his household, then you shouldn't throw him in prison. Everybody should have the fair chance to develop their nation. And so what happens is if you've got the father of a household that, that's uh, gone out and committed a crime, he's been convicted of crime, and they want to send him to prison, they have a right to do so. But there are certain situations where they're not likely wanting to do that if there's a different option. That different option is the straw man. And the straw man comes about because if you've got the head of the household that's looking at doing time, and he's got a brother that will um, gladly step in and do the time for him because he's already got a wife, He's already got his kids. They're already grown and in, in, um, starting their own families. He can step into position and do the prison time for his younger brother that needs to develop his nation yet. Um, say he's only got a wife but no children. If he were to go to prison for, for the rest of his life, he wouldn't be able to bear children and bring forth a nation. And so we have people that are stepping into place of somebody else so that they can continue to build their nation. Now, when that man comes out of prison, it's up to that man that he stepped into place for to go take him from the prison doors and take him back to his, his prior life and compensate him for staying in prison for him. And what happens is uh, when we have people that are in a destitute position and don't have a place to live and don't have food in their bellies that are willing to take the place of somebody else in prison to do their prison time for them because they've got three squares and a cot. It leaves it leaves a a, a venue open for commercial uh, activity, and that straw man was actually a commercial activity of compensation for a common law crime that uh, could have devastated a family. And so we have a commercial system that was paying compensation um, in 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 respects to uh, um, punishment, uh, retribution, things like that. And they were being compensated 
by uh, or through advertising themselves for this position by walking around out front of the courtrooms with straw in their shoes. That's how they advertised that they would be willing to take care of your place because they had to keep their war- their their feet warm with straw in their shoes. They were destitute people. Yeah, That's how the straw man come about, and it's just a replacement of surety. That's all it is. So when we think I'm about sorry. the birth certificate today, that is in that aspect. It is the replacement of surety. For, uh, yeah. Public Law seventy three ten HDR one ninety two and twelve USC four eleven are all connected to the Commerce Clause because we no longer have lawful coin. We have a surety to compensate for what we don't have ability to pay with. You know, and one of the ways that I kind of figured this out also was when I was much younger, you know, I would see articles in the newspaper or hear stuff on the news, and it would talk about the wealth of nations. And uh, America was the wealthiest nation, stuff, and I'd stop and think, oh, wait a minute, what does America own? What does the country yeah. own? It really doesn't own anything. How can it own anything? The only thing that exists within inside of a nation are the people and their property. And that's where it went ding, 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 ding in my head. I was like, oh, my God. They created what people today want to call a straw man, which realistically is just a legal entity. It is an artificial entity. Uh, people call it fiction. Right. I think the word fiction is the wrong, very wrong word to use. Um, but they created an artificial entity, and you see that listed all through um, codes and regulation where it says every person must do this, or every person is liable for that, or every person, you know, whatever. What they really created is they created the office of person, and they created it upon a registration of the person and that registration is the registration of the birth certificate or certificate of live birth. That is where that entity got created. If you go into um, UCC 9, uh, when they redid that, and listen to, uh, I think that one of the judges was Bill Hellman on there. There are several attorneys talking about it. And, this is what they were discussing. They were because UCC nine deals with the debtor and location of debtor, different things like that. And um, the judge said, "Oh yeah," he says, "I've heard that as uh, being referred to as the birth certificate." Bang! There you go, right there. That is yep. what they did. They they created this artificial entity because this goes back to what I said in the beginning of the call. What do you have authority over? over what you create or what bows down to you. Well, in this situation, they get a twofer. They get a twofer on this one because they created the artificial entity and they get you to unknowingly represent it, unknowingly because you were never taught. You should have been taught this in school or by your family and you weren't, okay? So they get a twofer on this. They created the artificial entity. They've got you representing it basically as an agent for it. For that organization, as they refer to it in uh, UCC 9, 
And so, boom, that is where they try and grab that in personam jurisdiction at right there. Um, I was yep. sitting in court and heard them talking about transferring a guardianship. And the one woman who was advocating for it to be transferred to a family member was talking about, oh, well, this boy, he does this and this in his spare time. He plays these sports, this and that. And the judge said, I don't care about the individual. Myself in this court only cares about the person. Because that's where their jurisdiction is at. Yeah. And they agreed to they agreed to run with that. They're like, oh, okay. And so they stayed on the person issue. <laughs> yeah. And and just just to show you how greedy this system is and how open and diverse we can be about this stuff, when it comes to the uh, DBA, like Mike uh, Brian was saying, um, everybody runs to the uh, Minnesota Rule 220 um, to do the DBA in, instead of their state. And when it comes down to that locality rule, you can technically, under the UCC 1-202, just give them notice and knowledge that you are doing business as this as such and such. And you can do that through the local newspaper, and it is registered. It is registered through the local newspaper. That's all it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this, you and this is how newspaper. diverse our solutions are. This is how diverse our solutions are. We can create the solutions ourselves. Yeah, you can create them yourself. And, and when you put it in the newspaper, all you need to get is a certificate of uh, printing from the newspaper. And that certificate yep, and of printing receipt. is, that's your receipt. But that's actually one of the things that, like, the Secretary of State will want to see for um, doing the DBA. Well, all that DBA is with the Secretary of State is a public notice with the Secretary of State. One of the things I always thought was, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be operating in the private? So why not do that publication, get the certificate of publication, and send that in private notice to the Secretary of State so they can put it in their records and you Correct. have evidence that it's been submitted. Right. And, and that's... Uh... Um, I can't remember quit, when they quit doing this, but this was an old English rule of law. Um, they called them letters closed and letters open. Letters open is a, is a uh, public notice, and letters closed is a private notice. So you give notice on both sides. You give notice on the public side, letting the public know that you're doing business as such and such. And then, like Brian said, you send your private notice to the Secretary of State, um, the Treasury Department, whoever needs that information. Um, that you're doing business as. I did this in Nebraska when I was doing my sales and marketing. I was doing business as grapevine communications. And so you, you don't even have to use a quote, what they call an ends legus, in regards to what we're thinking of this first, middle, and last name. You can create your own name. You can create your own symbol. These uh, ranchers today still use their own brand. They create their own brands. And that's all it is, is what your registered trademark trade name copyright might be um, in regards to the birth certificate when we when we talk about controlling that we talk about they created it but we can control it by putting it in a box that box is called a private trust because it was developed <clears throat> it was it was constructed 
out of our creation to begin with. If it weren't for our creation, it wouldn't have been created. Therefore, we are the true creation of it. We don't technically, I don't think, want to control it other than to put it in a box and say, okay, here it is. It's no longer going to be used. A private trust or PMA. I got a question for you, Keith, because you know what? One of the first things when I started researching stuff is it's like, okay, I don't care really what's happening right now. I want to know in this situation that's happening right now, what started it? What got the ball rolling? Take me back to the beginning because that's where you're going to find your answers at. And when you go back and look at the creation of the United States of America or the United States of America, as the Articles of Confederation styled it, um, what did they do? Did those gentlemen go look for the right form or template or whatever that England had that way they could give notice to England? No. They wrote up their own notice called the Declaration of Independence. Yep. And that's what and we I was do. Like, that, that's what we absolutely. need to do. That's what I was explaining about my PMA. You, you just made a distinction between a PMA and a, and a private trust. PMA is a private membership association, and that private membership association needs to have a trust, and that trust is specifically um, for holding property. The, the, all your property should be put in the trust name. That trust name should, de- should be developed upon your private membership association name. My private membership association in regards to uh, all na- uh, nations of men derived from a single man would be Keith Orland Little, the all-caps name, on that birth certificate. That's the commercial person, okay? I'm going to create a PMA under that name. Now, the uh, um, government has this thing called a birth certificate that I can authenticate on the state and federal level and then deposit that as res, the body of the trust for my private membership association's trust the Keith Orland Little Estate Trust. Now I can go to a bank, and instead of opening a personal bank account, I can open a private trust account. What happens here is the conversion. Just like an uh, uh, American going to uh, Europe and trading in his Federal Reserve notes at a bank over there for Euro notes, the same thing's going to happen here locally when we, when we do this private trust account with that birth certificate deposited in that in that res, that that provides for the good uh, uh, what is it full faith and credit of the United States under four, 12 U.S.C. 411 Commerce Clause. Everything gets converted to to uh, lawful coin now. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, under 12 U.S.C. 411, at least that's the way they view it. Yeah, I mean, and when I bring up like where Keith even brings up codes and this and that. It's not that that's what we're using or that's what we're standing on. We're using that kind of as a dictionary to see how they define what's being done. Um, Somebody brought up in the chat, um, could you comment on using a TIN as opposed to an SSN? And I kind of see this the same way as using an EIN. Uh, EIN is just another SSN for the business. This is the way I view it. Um, and 
one of the things that I think that is so great about the way the United States set things up for the United States of America is that they did do everything through private associations, through separate companies and agencies. They all are not one. And so the Social Security Administration, people see that and they think, oh, that's government. No, it's not government. That's just one no. of the agencies <laughs> being used by what people think is a government. And right. so that means what? It means that's a totally different contract. That's a private contract. Um, yep. To break it right down, where's your contract with the United States? Do you have one? No, you don't. Nope. That's why everything is done under assumption and presumption, because yep. you've not corrected the record. To me, I've never, I don't like using the term status change. I think it's better to use the term correcting the record or correcting the yes. presumption. Yes, correcting the presumptions on the record. Like I spoke of in another video I did the other day, law of continuity and law of closure. You can't draw a circle by drawing a dash, leaving a gap, drawing a dash, leaving a, uh, a gap, drawing a dash, leaving a gap. That's not continuous. That's only symbolic of a circle. When you fill in the gaps, and now you have closure of all the gaps, you have a complete circle. And this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You can't, you can't do anything but present truth in its wholeness. Without its wholeness, it's not truth. There's something missing. And one of the things I want to touch on real quick before I go any further is you, were, you, you mentioned the EIN and these assumptions and presumptions. And what I want people to comprehend, in my research, I found out that EIN stands for two different things. EIN stands for what most people think of it as is a employer identification number. Before it's an employer identification number, it's an exemption identification number. And that is the Social Security number without dashes, if you use that, if you know what you're, what you're doing in that conversion and why you have that exemption, you realize it's an exemption identification number without having to apply for an EIN. You've already got an EIN. It's called an exemption identification number. And if you clarify that, it's, it's uh, right along, right up with the level of uh, clarifying that you're the non-decedent who, uh, who is entitlement holder of the person and that's all it is. So remember, when well, you're doing this research, there's, there's some terms that might mean multiple things. You said checking these dictionaries out and finding things out. Realize that when you're researching this stuff, don't follow just down the one path. Like I said, I've, I've come to realize that EIN stands for Exemption Identification Number first before it ever becomes an a, a employer identification number. Because you're not presumed to be an employer um, right off the bat. You're presumed to be an employee. No, you don't have any employees. And that, that actually reminds me of another <clears throat> rabbit hole that, of thought that people go down. I see it all the time I mean, because you mentioned decedent. And somebody, I see actually all the time, I, I see and hear this stuff, is that uh, when you're in court, uh, they can't see or hear you because you're dead. You're a dead entity. And they created a dead entity. And they turned you into a dead entity. 
It's like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Turned you into a dead entity. Turned you into a fiction. Well, number one, how, a fiction is something that doesn't exist. So how can they turn you into something that doesn't exist? And for something to be dead, there's a big qualification that comes with that word dead. It had to be alive at some point. It had to have the ability of life. And I think because people see the word fiction, they correlate dead to that word. And which is why I don't like the word fiction. It's just an artificial entity. That's all it is. And they see you as an agent for an artificial entity they created, an office they created called the person. Uh, To me, it's really that simple. So when I see this thing of, oh, you're dead, no, you're not dead. They know you're fully alive. They just see you as being an agent for an organization that they created. And that is shown by that all-cap name. And and those all-caps, those all-caps don't mean it's a corporation. They don't see you as a corporation either. Is a corporation has to have officers, it has to have bylaws, um, it has to have an origin of some point, it has to have a, a creation, um, but generally by Congress uh, for a corporation. So, yeah, that none of those things even add up. At, at best, well, it's maybe a limited partnership. Right. Well, the the end Vegas is specifically to show on paper that there is a distinct separation. Um, And this goes to the maxim, the presence of the body cures the air in the name. And this is a, um, and I'm going to throw this out and I hope people catch this. This is an example I want to put out to show a separation in a different context. But explaining why we use um, written word to show this separation. In an ens legis, written down as N-O-E-L, the phoneme is easy to see. The, the way it's phonically supposed to sound is easy to see on paper. N-O-E-L sounds like Noel. So when we speak the spoken word, Noel, that's different than what's written down. And the separation is proven by using a different grapheme, spelling of Noel. And I spell Noel differently by putting um, J-K-M-N-O. And if you write down J-K-M-N-O, on a piece of paper, I can affirm and testify that that sounds to me like Noel. J-K-M-N-O. Well, there's Noel. And this is the importance of realizing that the ends legis is a distinct separation between what's known as a fictitious name and a real calling. What do you call somebody? Well, I don't call him J-K-M-N-O. I call him Noel. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, one of the things, too, I want to add to this, as far as putting things in writing, is a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, they, they don't recognize this, they don't recognize that. Well, even if you go, I, I think it's UCC um, 113, it specifies in there that things done in handwriting supersede um, stuff that's typewritten, right. stuff that's done on a computer, anything electronically added. What is in writing will supersede anything else. And this, and this is the importance of why I try to explain to people, we can use their documents if you want, but I highly suggest that you comprehend exactly what's on that document and the things that do not make sense, just like the law of continuity, fill in the gaps. Do your uh, um, uh, line-through line itemizing by crossing through things that don't make sense and rewriting them on the on the form or just handwriting out the information that the form is requesting in the correct wording, the right words, jurisdiction. And again, that's just correcting the record. That's all you're doing. These forms that they put out <clears throat> are in error. That's all you got to do is point out the errors. The record that they presume, imply, and assume is in error. So all you got to do is correct the errors. Now, whether I made them or they made them makes no difference. Forgive, is, forgive others as they forgive us. That's all it is. So let's just correct this stuff. Well, and what you're doing when you do that, you're changing something from being a unilateral contract, which means one way, take it or leave it, they're changing that right. to becoming a bilateral contract where both parties have agreed to it. That's the important thing there. And all through this, everything that Keith's been speaking about and I've been speaking about, there should be one word that keeps getting recognized, and that's the word separation. And that is that yeah. you are not just going along with everything that's being handed to you and blindly accepting it you are drawing a separation and taking control of your life and what you're doing. You are administrating your estate instead of letting them unilaterally take care of it the way they want to do it. Right. You're, you're recognizing the two paths that were created by that birth certificate. You're recognizing um, the path of responsibility that you have, the ability to respond, and the uh, dependency that you have that has been created for you and has been indoctrinated, um, propagandized, um, socialized, religiousized, um, politicized, commercialized. Um, time to realize the real eyes with your real eyes, people. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That, and know, know what those separations are, you know. And this is shown to us all the time, and I think people don't even see it when it's presented to them. Um, you know, reach in your purse or your wallet and, you know, pull out a 1, 5, 10, 20, 50, whatever bill that's in there, and what does it say on there? It says that it is good for all debts, private and public. It's showing there's a binary system going on here. And I think most people don't even stop to go, oh, wait a minute, what is this binary system? You know, if 
even the tools that are being given for commerce can be used in two different ways. What are these two different ways? Because people pretty much always just use it in one way without even thinking. It's like I said last week, you know, I had put a restricted endorsement on a check. And a girl looked at that and she says, oh, who wrote that? I'm like, I did. She goes, oh, that's really smart. First one to ever say that to me. Other people have been really confused. And I've said to them, I'm like, um, do people are always just writing general endorsements. They don't even think. They just, yeah. they just write their name on there and all they want is to get the money. And so they do a general endorsement because they don't realize that there is a binary system going on. Yeah, we, you, that, that's a good good thing uh, um, that you brought up there about the binary system. You know, we, we were talking about bifurcation, the two paths, the separation and stuff. When it comes to the language, um, one thing I want to talk about real quick here is we, I, I mentioned earlier about the, uh, the brand names and the symbols and, and trademark, copyright, and trade name and all that. Um, when it comes to these documents and everything, when we make our mark, so what we're doing is we're making our mark. And we need to determine what mark we're going to make. How are we going to qualify that? That is our mark. And nobody can um, harm us or cause us loss or injury due to that mark. And that's what you were talking about is qualifying that mark. When we when we talk about separation, uh, um, this uh, bi bilateral stuff, um, we could technically, according to concise English, put dot, dot, dot on a piece of paper. And that would be a complete reservation of rights because they would have to ask for clarification what it means. Yeah, so all we got to do ellipsis. is... Yeah, so all we got to do is put forth something that they're not familiar with. Like I was saying... If I want to represent Noel on a piece of paper, I can write it down J-K-M-N-O if I wish. And they'd have to ask me for clarification. Well, what does that say? Well, that says Noel. Can't you read English? <laughs> yeah, see? See, it, it, when you look at things from a different perspective, it gets kind of comedical, doesn't it? That's the way we need to start looking at this. Are you stupid? Do you think I'm some kind of comedic clown out here? I'm talking serious code here, people. You want to talk truth? Let's talk truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Let's leave the let's leave the written word out of it, and let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Your word against mine. Sword against sword. Yep, absolutely. Look, you know, though, you know, we live in a world today, though, where you can't even give somebody directions on how to get somewhere two miles down the road. That they just look at you like a deer in the headlights. Well, yeah, they're dependent on their phone. They're, they're dependent on their phone, but the, there has been no uh, mindset of being able to decipher things in their head or think things out. You know, that, that, yeah. that's been totally eliminated. And that's one of the problems that I see when, um, and not no demise against anybody, but when people are first starting to learn about this realm that everybody is in today and see that it's not the world they thought it was is that that's their biggest stumbling block is they cannot yeah. 
cognizance. They they cannot think correctly. And so they fall for so many things that come across their path. And I don't want to mention any names here or anything, but some people will probably know what I'm referencing and others in the future listening to this podcast will know what I was referencing. But um, you see things like, oh, um, you need to uh, stand on one leg when the wind is blowing in a certain direction, um, autograph a stamp at a 45-degree angle, make sure that stamp is in the lower right-hand corner of a document and on the back, on the upper left-hand corner. It's like there are so many things out there that are just ridiculous. Uh, people right. are saying that they've captured the flag of the United States. Really? You've captured the flag? I'm sorry. There are at least four branches of the military right now whose job is to protect that flag. And I haven't seen another country yet that can defeat any of those branches. So how you've captured the flag of the United States and what that even means, it just blows my mind. It's like, come on, get realistic. Well, um, let, me talk, let me talk about... Let me, let me talk about flags real quick. Let me let me explain about flags real quick. We've got this thing about flags and the law of the flag and the law of nations and, and how we're supposed to present ourselves and this and that. And that comes down to a jurisdictional issue. And when we think about jurisdictional issue, we, th- we think about authority. Who's who's the delegating authority? Who, who designed this law of the flag and stuff? Let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from natural law. It comes from natural law of the tribes. One tribe in this particular area of the country wore this kind of garb because it was from the animals that were um, um, available in that area. And so that's what they used. And the various different um, uh, tools and weapons and stuff they had were, were derived from certain materials. And so they looked slightly different than, than the garb and stuff that people wore in this other area of the country. And that is where the, orig- the origin of the law of the flag comes from. And people, um, I want you to comprehend, that's a bifurcation itself. That's a separation itself of your right to your, uh, your, your the Second Amendment right everybody's up in arms about. And that is a play on words. Um, when we think about being up in arms, we're, we're raising arms and, and holding weapons. And, and your Second Amendment right to bear arms has nothing to do with weaponry. Your Second Amendment right to bear arms is totally backwards. It's been bifurcated, twisted around, and, and shoved down your throat the wrong way. Your right to bear arms is actually your armorial bearing. It's your right, your heretical right, R-I-T-E, to your armorial bearing. And your armorial bearing is the armor you wear, the clothing that you wear, that is similar, familiar to the rest of the people in your tribe. So when it comes to a flag, I bear my nakedness before my creator, created in his image and likeness. I have no color except for the pigment of my skin, but inside I'm the same as everybody else. That is my armorial bearing. That's my right to bear my arm. Absolutely, and I, and I think you've probably noticed too, maybe annoyingly, that uh, people will post things regarding the Second Amendment and stuff like that, and the right to keep and bear arms, 
into the Facebook group Tactical Sovereignty, and I don't ever approve anything, any posts that have to do with the Second Amendment or the right to bear arms, because people don't comprehend what that really is all about. All, all it's being used for today is, once again, like Norman Montague said back in <laughs> two thousand or back in nineteen fourteen. It's being used as one of those things to divide and conquer people and keep them arguing over issues of no consequence. Because you know what? That's never going to happen in America anyway. I mean, um, I, I don't remember what who it was. I think it was a, uh, a Russian czar. Somebody who said it that one of the reasons why America's never been conquered is because there's a gun behind every blade of grass. You know, if, if you've never gotten into a jet plane and flown over the United States of America and seen, I mean, even the town you live in, you don't realize how many households there are. And when you really look at the populace, stop and think of what it would take for people to go door to door or whatever and try and take everybody's guns. It would well, be a freaking impossible task. The the biggest aspect of that is um, currently down in Virginia. If anybody's watching the news down there, there there's there's words going around about supposedly the uh, National Guard is going to go in and and uh, start pulling guns from people under the uh, governor's orders and of uh, new legislation coming through. Well, the problem with that is people realize your National Guard is your biggest uh, biggest support of your Second Amendment right. They have a largest support group uh, or su support numbers of people that believe in the Second Amendment themselves. And if, if anybody were to send anybody out to take guns away from people, it certainly wouldn't be people that are um, supporting the right to have. That's just idiocy to think that somebody else with a gun that believes they have a right to have a gun, and just like everybody else, is going to go take somebody else's gun. It's not going to happen. Not gonna happen. That's a stupid Absolutely. argument. And I don't care. I I don't have any guns. I won't allow it. And like I said, people, these cops walk around talking about they have to have all these guns and tasers and and all these different kinds of weapons and combatant materials and and clothing and stuff because they walk these mean streets and it puts them in fear. I've been walking the same streets all my life, and again. My right to bear arms is, is the nakedness of truth, period. Let's get, let's get reasonable. I remember several yeah, years ago, several years ago, I, I was researching um, the founding of America and some of the discussions and fears that were happening at the time, and they were talking about the police force. Um, and, you know, if you think in correlation, think of England. Um, over there... Those guys, they, they don't carry guns on them, okay? And that was kind of the mindset no. that these people were coming from because their, their thought was if there are police on the streets in America carrying firearms, it would have too much of an appearance of um, hostage, of a military takeover, and they didn't want to give that, that was one of the faction's thoughts. They didn't want to give that appearance that the people were under a military rule, uh, which, guess what's happened? That's exactly what's happened. 
even go back to the Libra code. And that shows you exactly that that's what's occurred. But I kind of want to get off that topic. Um, I want to go back to the flags you were talking about temporarily. Because yeah. I've, I've worked on ships on the ocean. I've um, worked on ships. I've sailed under multiple flags. I've sailed under a flag of the U.S. I've sailed, actually, for quite a while under the flag of Panama. <laughs> and these boats that I was working on, they were all working in and out of the same ports. Well, what's the difference? Well, the flag that you're flying, that is what dictates the jurisdiction, and that dictates you know, the rules, regulations, code, whatever, that that ship has to follow and fall under. And that's why different ships will sail under various flags. It might be a yeah. U.S. ship, but it's flying underneath a Panamanian flag. Why? Because their rules and regulations are different. And that right. goes into also the whole like status correction thing because there is a push out there that's also talking about people having to change their political status. Well, same thing with the flags. You're looking at international law when you're looking at political status. And political status is only observed in international law. And it's only used for the status of a country, not the inhabitants, but only right. for the country itself, whether that country is a free country or not, which means is that territory independent or does that territory belong to France or does that territory belong to England or is there um, a two-way agreement between them? That, that's right. kind now of this... a second phase that's a little more foggy. Or are they totally independent? Are they totally free? That's what a political status is. Political status has nothing to do with your personal status. It only has to do with the status of the nation that you dwell in. That's right. Simple. And I, I've been I've been touching on this here lately because, um, you know, we had that uh, talk on Jackie Fig show here a while back with uh, 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 David uh, Gallup with with regards to the WorldService.org, the World Passport. And part of our discussion on that was that you can be, you, you could have several nationalities. You can have several citizens. And what we're talking about here is those jurisdictional venues that are open to us. Um, if, we, if we're born on the land in Dubuque, Iowa, like I was, and we grow up a, a red, redneck, uh, barefoot hillbilly uh, guy that uh, doesn't know much throughout life and doesn't know anything but that he's, uh, he lives in Iowa. Um, he gets a driver's license or, or a state ID or something. He's in Iowa, and that's all he knows. He can only operate in Iowa. You know, he knows he's a United States citizen, da, 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 da. But when somebody becomes familiar with the different nationalities and knows how to take advantage of them, he can now become a world citizen, have a world passport, as a world citizen, and now he's like Ryan said, on the international level, in that level, we can act, we can operate commercially like the United States does, like other countries do, as ourselves, by having contracts on the international sale of goods. 
rather than being restricted to a United States citizen or a state citizen, we can now act or operate in all three capacities by having an Iowa driver's license, a U.S. passport, and a world passport. And now, whichever jurisdiction we choose to operate in, that's the identification we present. Those are the credentials we present, whether they be business credentials or private credentials. Well, you know, even getting in... That's what we're talking about with the law of the flag. The the ability to operate in the different jurisdictions. I want to say, though, even getting into... Uh, the topic of United States citizen. And I, I've said this before. One of the things that cracks me up, on whether it's a tax form or whatever, uh, there will be a question that says, are you a U.S. citizen? You know, or under penalty of perjury, I am a U.S. citizen. Well, I've never yeah. seen a definition for U.S. citizen anywhere. Now, you'll see things that talk about citizen of the United States or United States citizen. Well, I'm sorry. When you're working with legal documents, legal documents mean precisely what they depict, period. There's yep. no... And when we see that thing. U.S. citizen, when we see that U.S. citizen, it's usually U period, S period, uppercase, right. you know, letters. And that's a distinction. There's no such thing on a legal document as, well, I know what they mean. No. There's no such thing as, I know what they mean. They write on you there exactly what they mean. Yeah, that's what I was saying with JKMNO. You have to clarify. What does that mean? Yep, there's no L. But, you know, so when, when, when people are signing something that says, you know, under penalty of perjury, I'm a U.S. citizen, uh, right there, by default, you've screwed yourself. Because you're declaring a position that doesn't even exist. You, you, yep. You're putting yourself in a stateless position right there. And people don't even realize that. There's so many little things like that. And like I said, I, I was hoping, you know, that this call or this podcast could be good for, like, some of the newbies to learn some different things. And But I think this is one of the things. You've got to pay attention to detail. Because yeah. what have we always been told? Like I've said earlier, it's all about the idioms. We've been given these idioms, but though we don't think they're real when they're extremely real. One of them yeah. is the devil. The devil is hid in the details, and this is one of the big details right there. There is yeah. no evidence that you are a U.S. citizen, and if you go back to the birth certificate again, on. Um, <laughs> trying to think of their site uh, for birth certificates. So, but it's a couple of sites you can go to. But it, it lists on there, somebody was asking, oh, is this identification? And they say, no. Uh, this is not proof of identification because there is no photo attached. It's only proof of citizenship. Oh, what does yeah, that tell you? They... Right. That tells you? Until that tells you that the citizen doesn't need a photo because it's an artificial entity. Yep. Yep. The, the, the state ID doesn't get created until, uh, uh, well, you go to school. What's that, first grade? Or kindergarten? Yeah. 
Well, I thought one of the things yeah. that's interesting too was that um, down here on Florida, uh, you go into a Department of Motor Vehicles or Secretary of State, whatever it is down here in Florida, and they used to have a sign on the wall, a diagram, and it listed, it said, uh, requirements for a Florida driver's license. And they changed it here a couple of years ago because they're falling under the Real ID Act. And so now it says requirements for identification. Which means that that driver's license is no longer a driver's license. Now it's an ID. And more specifically, right. it's a it's a federal ID. And I made a meme here uh, about a month ago. And I thought it was really interesting that they put, you know, the way that the police can tell if your ID, like if you're going to fly or something like that, even an official looks at it, if they can tell uh, if it is under the Real ID Act, is it has a gold star on it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Where was a gold star used at before? They put those on the freaking Jews in freaking Germany. Yep. Yep. Those that are still willing to submit to the federal system without knowing it. Do your research, folks. This is what I was talking about with the driver's license. Um, when, <clears throat> when we register an automobile on one side of the counter, on the other side of the counter, the lady that's taking the finances from you, the debt instruments from you, and registering them into her, her log is now making an acquisition. She has just acquired paperwork to start a process, a, trans, a, set of, a series of transactions, which will eventually, supposedly, lead to a motor vehicle operator lease under Title 26 of the United States Code. That's the tax code. This is a commercial transaction. You're performing commerce by handing debt instruments over. This is what I mean by comprehending how to take care of your own finances, is knowing what those transactions are. The registration upon completion by that treasurer, the county treasurer, upon her acquisition, she sends in the information to the state and receives a certificate of title. This happens instantaneously through the electronic services, and she now hands you a certificate of title in your name, your ens legis, the person's name, all caps. This is a certificate of title of an employee performing the functions of public office, which are commerce. All functions in commerce are functions of public office unless you clarify the difference that you're acting in your private capacity under lawful coinage and you expect compensation in converted such terms. Otherwise, well, you know you're, becoming, you're, you're dependent on somebody else taking care of them dead instruments, and that's what they're going to do. Absolutely. You're freaking letting somebody else make a determination. And so the question is, are you operating under certificate? That's my question. Is that what you're operating under? 
because that's not really a good thing. I mean, if you can go back to the 1928 dictionary, um, and it'll show you there. The, it says, the certificated man shall receive no settlement. Well, what do they mean by yeah. settlement? Settlement is home. If you're operating exactly. on a certificate, then you have no home. Yeah. You belong to somebody else. And that's and that's the main point of that uh that section that I did a video on here a while back earlier this year on the uh the uh certificate of title I was just talking about. The certification is false, people. Along with <clears throat> along with that uh those that series of transactions, we're all required to have uh insurance. So Part of that lease is taking upon the ownership of the the liability. Another part of that lease, when they when they give you that certificate of title, the state is claiming ownership while you maintain possession of the automobile. It's your automobile, but the state owns the vehicle, and the vehicle is under a statement under penalty of perjury of your intent. This is supposed to be a separate statement, and this is what people are missing. They're, they're, the state is required to have this separate statement of your intent under penalty of perjury that you intend to use that vehicle at least 50% of its use in the conduct of trade or business. Trade or business is specifically de- defined as the functions of per- or performing the functions of public office. If you're not being compensated, if you don't have pay stubs from a government agency, Department of Motor Vehicles, stating that you made this much much, uh, money, earned this much income, wages, whatever, for this many miles or this many hours for these loads or these customers um, under these bills of ladings with this daily vehicle usage report, blah, 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 then they have no evidence, and they don't. And therefore, that certification is false. False is synonymous with fictitious. Fictitious is synonymous with fraudulent. The whole thing is fraud. Correct. Well, and when you receive a certificate of title, the only thing a certificate proves, look at the name of it. It's called certificate of title. What does that tell you? A certificate is only evidence that a title exists. And so when it comes to a vehicle, for instance, the vehicle is the MCO or MSO. It's the manufacturer's certificate of origin or the manufacturer's statement of origin. That is the actual title. And the dealerships, for instance, with a vehicle, are contracted with the Secretary of State that when they receive a vehicle and they're sold, they are to deliver that certificate or their that MSO or MCO to the state. And what they give you is a certificate of title proving that a title exists. And what that title is that you hold in your glove box, that's called the legal title. That means you can do the legal things with it as far as the vehicle goes. You can put the plates on it. Um, you're legally authorized to... Uh, use it on the road, different things like that. Whereas with the MSO or MCO certificate of title, 
That's the equitable title. Equity, think money. All right? So the holders of that equitable title receive the money. Uh, they receive the money through registration, insurance, tickets, uh, with the gasoline you put into the vehicle. They receive money that way. That way they're getting all the gain while you hold all the liability. And people don't realize that. There, there's so many people that contact me and they're like, oh, um, my car was kidnapped or they stole my car and stuff like that. And I'll get into some of this with people. And I can tell these people are probably very new to this information because that's where, they, that's where the conversation stops. They don't talk to me anymore yeah. after that because yeah. they're like, they're like, huh? What's this guy talking about? You know, what I mean, this is my mine. I, I, I bought it. I bought it with money I earned. Oh, hold on a second. There's another stumbling block. You use yep. their script to purchase it with. Just like and their script has zero intrinsic value. Yep, but it, it's the same thing though. As if I loaned you, um, I loaned you my motorcycle, and Somebody wanted a motorcycle, and they traded you their truck for a motorcycle. Well, you gave them my motorcycle to get a truck. Who does that truck belong to now? Well, that truck, you can think of it as the script, as the money. Guess what? I own the truck because you used my script to purchase it with or trade it with. Yep. Same situation. Yeah, and in that same situation, I want people to think about the other um, when we talk about value, extrinsic and, tr and intrinsic value, <clears throat> when it comes to the intrinsic value in something like Brian was just talking, somebody trades a motorcycle for a truck, and Brian, Brian owns that truck, but is the intrinsic value of that truck as much as that motorcycle was to Brian? Maybe Brian doesn't like that truck. You know, So we have to think about the value in our own sense, always and forever. If this... If, if this truck that I plan to grant to my grandson through a trust, through his mom and dad, to be trustees, to, to ensure that the insurance and everything is taken care of, surety um, bond and all that is taken care of, his travel documents and everything are all set up appropriately, then I trust in them that they're going to take care of their responsibilities so that this younger man can, can benefit from this out of a uh, sense of real value, not having to waste his time with uh, the fictitious, the fraudulent, and false commercial system that isn't required. And that's, a, okay. that, uh, you know, the intrinsic value depends on each individual and how they want to go forward in life. If you want to okay, go forward in life chasing the Federal Reserve notes, do so. But I urge you to find a deeper value to it. Yeah, you'll you'll lose every time. I I want to add something to this also, because this is one of the big things that people have, is when it comes to their children, and when people contact me, and I really love when people contact me prior to their child being born, because I can do more and maybe point them in a better direction. But a lot of times I'll I'll refer to property. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, property, what are you talking about? I'm talking about my child. And it's like, wait a minute, i got to let them know. 
the way it's looked at by this realm is your child is looked at as property. So that's the way it has to be addressed. And you need to lay a claim to your property. Because if you don't lay a claim to your property, especially ahead of time, best time to do it, eventually somebody else is going to lay a claim to it. Uh, Specifically through maybe a birth certificate or a certificate of live birth. But uh, we only nailed just a small handful of the rabbit holes that people hit when they start learning this stuff. Um, I'll unmute the lines in case anybody has a question that they want to bring up regarding some of these things. And uh, like I said, if you want to bring up a question or something, feel free to do so. Um, I'm not opening the line for you to come on for 20, 30 minutes and talk about other craziness. <laughs> uh, so let me bounce over and see if I can do that. Uh, just because, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm very positive there's things that we haven't hit that, you know, people are interested in. So Yeah, bring anything up, people. <clears throat> Any issues you have at all? Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Hello. Yep. So I got muted. Just let us know who you are and where you hail from. And we have one guest here already. How are you doing? Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, how are you doing? Yep. Hey, this is Tad Baldwin from the Tinfoil Hat User Truck Discovery. Either one of you guys know who I am? Your name sounds very familiar to me. This is Brian. Uh, this is a. I I I created a Facebook page, my tinfoil hat, Usufruct Discovery. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm very familiar with you. You're familiar with Boris, and uh, in fact, I think yes, sir. You made me like a moderator there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Hey. Uh, uh, any of you guys know what's going on with Boris? What's going on with his webpage? Why is it down? Um, <clears throat> last time I spoke, and uh, just so that people know, all lines are unmuted. So if you've got any background noise going on, mute yourself out, please. I think that's like star four or star six or something. We'll talk to you. Uh, anyway. Uh, last time I spoke with Jim, uh, Jim said that Boris was aware of it and they were working on it. Okay. Well, Lynette, I have a, I have you a got, story to tell. I, I can't mute out. I don't know how to mute out. It's star four or star six. I'm on a computer. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, there should be uh, something on the screen okay. there. Okay. You know what? I'll show it. you to mute. Yeah. I have a story cool. to tell. Sure, go ahead. Okay, so I ended up in a situation with the bank. Uh, I ended up in a situation with a loan officer who repeatedly just kept giving me a line of credit. Um, I had told him a couple of times, probably more than a couple of times, uh, we need to knock this off because... I'm going to get to a point to where uh, this is going to be not possible for me to pay back. Uh, 
he went ahead and just kept allowing this line of credit to, to happen a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars at a time um, I was running a business at the time small-time drywall business only had a couple employees underneath me um, and it, it, he, he just he just kept forwarding the, the, the money into my account. Um, this is a two-way street here, okay, guys? I'm not going to be an idiot and say, no, I, I didn't allow it to happen. I did allow it to happen. It came to a point where uh, we got into trouble here. We're, we're talking over $100,000. So... It got to the point where the bank was coming after me for for everything, and and I tried to tell them that hey, I I tr- I told this guy, the loan officer, to to knock it off, and nobody listened to me, and uh, so it, it got to the point where we ended up at a point of discovery with the court. So I went ahead and wrote a letter to to the uh, attorney's office or to the attorney uh, for the bank. Uh, is it okay that I, I say the attorney's name on, on here? No, probably not. It doesn't matter. Well, okay. Well, I'll just read the letter real quick. What, it, what I had written, I said, uh, it's come to my attention that there's been a mistake. The court order against me with the bank is in part a contract signed by myself with uninformed consent. Uh, I told them that I reverted all bonds, security, securities, promissory notes, collateral, titles to and for the United States per Title 12, USC 95B2, Title 50, also 4305, just in case anybody wanted to say you know title 12 didn't exist any payment conveyance transfer we all know this one assignment or delivery of property or interest therein made to and for the accounting state or as otherwise directed pursuant to this section or any full regulation instruction direction issued here under shall to the extent thereof be a full acquittance and discharge for all purposes of the obligation of the person making the same, no person shall be held liable in any court for or in respect of anything done or admitted in good faith in connection with the administration of or in pursuance of and in reliance on this section or any rule, regulation, instruction, or direction issued hereunder. Okay, so then I said, hereby allowing the Treasury to now and forever to cancel this debt. The reversion is in line with with the Enemy Act, and I no longer wish to be a belligerent or enemy of the United States. I've also made a request with your association for an accounting of the documents being ordered against me. This request was made on Tuesday, December 27, 2016, for Article 9, UCC 210. Okay, now that demands that they that they show all records and all lists of collateral statements and duty of requests, statement of accounts, no interests or obligations, claims against 
that was a request made for that. They did not provide it. After that point, there was silence on the other end. Also, I made a claim, 3 UC, 3 UCC 305, 306, stating that I have the right to all papers and right to claim and recoupment, which was the Act of 1911. So, I just want to know, I haven't heard anything, I haven't heard a word from these guys since... Uh, what date did I say? Uh, <coughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard a word from these guys since December 27, 2016. It's oh, that's a good thing. I would say that's a good thing then. You know, okay, although so, even, even though a line of so, credit was still being made available, it shouldn't have been used, I would say. And right. now also, you know, if, if people want to go and um, look up where, where that's at, um, USA 12B, that's actually been moved a couple of years ago. They moved that to 50 USC. So I'm just sure. a little bit of a heads up on that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh U.S. Excuse me. Been moved to B two Title fifty forty three hundred five B. Yep. Here's my question. Where do where do I? Uh, how come I haven't been awarded my titles of of of, of ownership over the vehicles? And where's my titles? I have I have two titles outstanding with the bank. They haven't they haven't spoken a word to me ever since I I submitted this paperwork to the court. <clears throat> I haven't been awarded any of my titles. How do I go against how do I go against these guys and get my titles back? Oh, well, if you if you want to get the uh titles, uh, I would say probably the best avenue would be to uh contact the manufacturer and uh, get the title from them. Um, I've got actually a playlist on YouTube uh, called uh, Dissecting. I think it's called Dissecting or Deciphering the Vehicle Code. And the very first video on there is a girl who went and got the MSO or MCO for the vehicle. And she shows how to do it. And she shows the evidence of it. Um, and you know, even in tactical sovereignty, I, I've shown people have given me photos of where they worked at dealerships, and then they show me a table that was nothing but full of t the titles, MCOs, MCOs of all the vehicles. But yeah, um, I'll go to um, deciphering the vehicle code on YouTube and watch that one video. She shows you how to do it and everything. And it's just by going through the manufacturer. Not by going through the state or anything like that. So, with the bank holding title in due course, how does that change hands from the bank to the manufacturer? 
manufacturer already gave on due course to the bank. Well, the the manufacturer holds the original. That's why it's called the manufacturer's statement of origin. They hold the original. They they give a copy of it. They give a copy of it to the dealership who forwards it to Secretary of State. Secretary of State goes and they put that in their data bank and they shred the original. And that's why when people try and contact Secretary of State to get it, Secretary of State says, oh, well, we don't have a copy of that. They're correct. They don't have a copy of that. They just have a digital image online, which they could print off if they wanted to. But it's a word game. You can just go to the manufacturer and you can get it from them. In fact, um, every state, because I've looked around online, every state actually has an affidavit that they've provided that can be used to receive it from the state. So that's a second avenue. And then there's a third avenue. The third avenue is to have a title search done. When you get a title search done on the vehicle, you get a full package back, giving you know all the different people that bought it, sold it, all that kind of stuff. But enclosed in that is a MCO or MSO. So there's three ways to get that. Okay, I have a question also concerning that. Uh, the one vehicle is is a is a which is American, whatever. Then I have a, then I have a, uh, I have a Volkswagen which is German. So how do I go about with the international to get that title? Um, I've never seen things dealing with the international, but I don't see why it would be any different. You can just you know contact um, the original manufacturer. Yeah. When we're when we're talking NCO MSOs, we're talking international law. It, it would be the same. So I need to look into international protection. Well, not necessarily international protection, but just contact that company. Contact that company in Germany, just like you would contact a company in Ohio or Michigan. So talk to me like I'm stupid. Well, you know, whoever you're talking to on there may not have a clue what you're talking about, so that could be the case. Um, I would probably first go to their website or whatever, because they all do, and dig into there and look up their information on MSOs or MCOs, you know, and the retrieval of it. And that, that would give you a clue on how to do it. Everything everything people are dealing with really in the U.S., even when it comes down to child protection and stuff, I, I learned probably within six months of first starting my research that everything was under international law. And that was the right. only place where protections could be found. People trying to claim constitutional rights and stuff were getting shot down left and right. And that was the first thing I was like, yeah, okay, there's got to be something else. And when I started looking into international law, I was like, wow, here's where the remedy really is. And when I saw people that were actually using that in court, they were starting to get results. Right. So if the bank bank chooses to come after me, 
for this $100,000 debt and tries to take these two vehicles away from me when those two vehicles keep me employed and keep me working and keep food on the table for my kids, then I can use the international law to say that you're harming me and my child or my children and my family. <clears throat> right? Yeah, international law. Yeah, international law could be used so in that direction. Uh, but as far as the regular courts go, regular courts today, they really don't care about, you know, whether it's helping you, your kids, this and that. They don't care about right or wrong. They care about just what are the facts. And that is where holding the certificate of origin would play into big time because that's showing that you are the full owner. Uh, you are the equitable owner of it. And so, yeah, right. they, they would I, kind of run into a problem there. My name is on it. I can do as I fucking want, right? Yeah. So says Boris. Yep. Their name's not on exactly. My name is on it. Maybe. All right, cool. Okay. All right, I think we got some. Yeah, we got anybody else on here? What, what, what's the um, where's the certificate of origin on your offspring? That's the birth certificate. Well, the birth certificate and and the uh, a lot of people are getting are 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 forgetting about the uh, family registry normally in a Bible. And this okay. is the actual certificate of origin in a non-certificated uh, sense. This is the actual document. Yeah, so, you have to you have to remember you have to remember that the birth certificate or certificate of live birth is on the artificial entity they created, not on the child itself. Exactly. Exactly. Because having 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 paper on a man or woman would be slavery, and that's illegal. Right. Okay. So just basically a parole evidence statement would do or a handwriting would be sufficient for the for one to claim his uh, godly origin is that fertilization. Yeah, parole evidence. Yeah, right. Parole evidence. Uh, and, you know, um, I remember it kind of has seemed to disappear, but I remember looking into information for U.S. passports. And they had listed there the different items that they would accept as um, evidence of birth. And one of the things they had listed was an entry in the family Bible. If people remember, you know, the old family Bibles, in the beginning of it there, there would be pages, a bunch of blank pages, for instance. Why do you think there's blank pages there? Plus there would be pages for births. There would be pages for marriages. Okay. And so, yeah, the, the union, uh, yep, passport, all that. Yep, the passport administration accepted what was written in the family Bible as evidence. Um, but that's one of the things that I really can't stress enough with people is that that certificate of live birth or birth certificate is not for the actual baby. It is for no. that creation of the office of person. It's also the it's also the cutting off from your godly origin. It it actually makes perfect sense to one here. Um, right, it's a bifurcated path. Right, exactly, exactly. 
So oh, absolutely. Just like a video that was put out, I think, two days ago by Rob Ryder. He was talking about the birth certificates and that it didn't list on there where the father's residence was, where the father was from. Now, it listed it for the mother with her maiden name, but it didn't list it for the father. Well, under international law and even in the law of nations, the inheritance is passed down from father to child. Well, if you disconnect the father, then guess what? There is no inheritance, is there? There's no bloodline. Correct. Well, it appears that the United States is just one big orphanage that's ran by females. Yep, yep, pretty much exactly right. Uh, just like your yeah. column box says. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. So, so you were speaking on um, the... I can't remember. The last thing you did before... the. Um, number 308 ask us questions about because i'm interested in what he was talking about too is about getting the um uh mso for a for a vehicle but i'm more concerned about my grandson and basically what would be a concept or an ideal or just kind of throw out something that would basically allow me to claim the individual as opposed to the um or what was, you know, the, the origin as opposed to the, uh, the bifurcation. Well, now, that now doesn't Boris say that that's your property and you have to yes. refer to it as your property? Right. Not, not the child, but it as your property. Yeah, and I would say the same thing is that you put, uh, you know, there's a, a, a while ago, I mean, different times I would get weird ideas in my head. So I just Google different stuff. And uh, like one time I Googled attorney's best kept secret. And that's where I found one listing talking about the PMA, the private membership association. Um, another time I, I was looking at the same idea. And one of the things that popped up was among the J community was something called a notice of interest. So what I would do is I would write a notice of interest regarding that property. Uh, many, and, many you know, that, that's where it comes down to is the interest in the property. And that's... that's And well, this goes Go to something that I rec. This is something I recommend for everybody. Okay, is I've, and I've done it myself, and it, it's good to have. Is <clears throat> um, write a little short letter to your secretary of state, or even attorney general. Send it to both if you want, and request any evidence of interest in right title or the property itself and where they hold that at. Where is the right title and interest? And or really, odd, odds are 99.99% of the time, you're going to get back a letter saying, we hold no right title or interest to this property. And to me, that's and something very valuable to have. A, a supportive document to send with that, folks, is your trade, na- trade name, uh, trademark, copyright. Yep, your personal claim. Yep, just a notice. You know, this is my trade name, trademark, copyright. 
Um, I'm requesting if this, uh, all, any and all records from the state's um, uh, record keeper, keeper of records, um, any and all information pertaining to uh, this trademark, uh, trade name trademark copyright. Yeah, you're kind of saying, here's my claim, where's yours? <laughs> it, yep. Basically, yeah. All right, do we have anybody else with anything they wanted to freaking pop in here? If not, we've gone on for a while this evening. Hey, absolutely. And, and, and will this recording be in this, in your, I, I'm not sure exactly where this is, but will it be downloaded at some point? Uh, yeah, right after this call is done, within about 10 minutes, it gets downloaded to TalkShoe143321. Under uh, Brian Parker, Tactical Sovereignty, that's Brian with a Y. Um, and also, I normally post it into the group, Tactical Sovereignty, on Facebook. And I put it also on my uh, Facebook. Many thanks, Brother Mike. I do got a quick question. Sure. A uh, buddy of mine and I have been struggling with the uh, with the passport. Um, I just got on here, so you know, I don't know what you guys have been talking about for the past half hour before I got on here, but uh, we've been struggling with the passport. He only got the four star. Um, I've had no success. I've gotten only the three star. I tried another time, and I only got the three star. Trying to get the five-star passport with the D and D. Um, I don't remember if that was Brian or if it was Tony that had posted up on how to do the passport with the uh, was that the Moonshiner website? Uh, yeah, and some of that with the Moonshine website's kind of been changed a little bit and stuff like that. Although. From what I've heard, the gentleman who has that site is very good in uh, conversating back and forth through email if there's questions. I guess my question is, and just like uh, a couple other people would uh, would like to know, you know, what's what's what is the step by step process on this for for getting the five star in the D and D? You know, because well, you know that that's a that's a huge huge step in in this whole process. Well, here's what I have to say about the passport. Um, number one, as far as three star, four star, five star, I've asked and looked for several years at least, and I have never seen any evidence from anyone as to what the difference is between two, three, four, or five stars, okay? Now, at the same time, I look at uh, what people like Kelby Smith are doing. Um, and I, I would recommend looking at what he offers. Uh, you no, can I'm go not, and get a free no. member. You can go and get a free membership with him, okay? And as long as you're paying attention, you can kind of figure out what to do. Uh, people that want things done for them, that's what the paid membership 
is for that he does okay but if you listen to enough of his info and pay attention you can figure out i think how to do it without the paid membership but i think where the strength and what he does lays at and i see this also with other people that uh, talk about information showing the qsip numbers and things is that the power really lays in the application and not what you receive back because right. I know one of the things that Kelby does is after they submit their application and everything, then they go and they send a FOIA request in for the application because that's where the real authority lays at. It lays in the application. It lays in the claims you have made, not what they've submitted back to you. Correct. And I, and I want to expand on that um, in, in regards to the passport with the one star, two star, three star, I, I don't care. I really don't care because that's not the authority that's making the final determination. Whose authority is? That's mine. Let my yay be my yay, my nay be my nay. Until you show something on the record that says otherwise, my word is right. And you can't deny it. So the point I'm trying to get to with the passport is is to eliminate the driver's license and to only use the passport, period. And for, and for, yep. and for, and for, and for reference, well, you know, to say, to say that I should pay money to another man to get this information, well, that doesn't make sense because what we're all trying to get to is, is the absence of money or the absence of debt to another person person or entity or whatever so if a person's trying to charge money for this information, i don't buy into the bullshit okay and this and this Notice is this is something we touched on earlier nobody else charges money for this type of information if they charge money for this information then i'm going a different direction we don't well, need that, to get this information so well, it, you know it, and that's why better look hold on. money for information, then we're going down the wrong fucking road. Yeah, hold well, on. That's, that's, why they... I say, that's why I want to say that the information Kelby provides, if you listen to enough of it and pay attention, you can figure it out on your own if you've got a head. The people, the reason why he charges for some is because there's people that what don't want to do the legwork. They, don't want, no. they <laughs> don't want to put on the due diligence that they need to do and so, therefore, if somebody else has to do the work for them to put all their stuff together, then there, there's going to be a cost because every man is, you know, he's worth his freaking labor. But if you pay attention and study it, then, yeah, you can do it on your own. But go ahead, okay. Keith. It's we, we like... Touch, we, we touch. Forgive me, Brother Matt. Real quick. It's, real quick. It's like giving a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime is basically what the man's saying. Exactly. Right. And, and one of the things we touched on earlier um, was the aspect of uh, trying to get clarification of the jurisdiction of the uh, different passports and, and IDs and everything. <clears throat> and one of the things I think we need to comprehend is that as a person, our, our persons are representative of so many different capacities. <clears throat> and 
And if we want to use our persons appropriately across the board, as in this game of chess, this commercial game of chess, then shouldn't we have them as uh, a driver's license, uh, a U.S. passport, a world passport, um, private credentials under a private ministry, under a private membership association, operating through a private membership trust, um, proclaiming our own property, making our own records, keeping our own records. Isn't this what we're supposed to be doing to rebut their presumptuous record that is that is misrepresenting and, and misleading um, the fictitious serpentine language of the twisted words? Let's untwist them. Let's fill in the gaps. Let's give it continuity so there's full closure of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So as a contractor, so as a contractor, I do drywall for a living. I need to have a license to do drywall. No, you don't. You've only oh. been convinced that you do. You want to oh. call it drywall. I call it oh. a, every man is worthy oh. of his hire. I need a license to practice in contractive driving. No, actually, you don't. You can do that under your own PMA. Well, I need a license. And you can do that under your own. You can do that under your own PMA. And if somebody contracts with you under the PMA, then no state is allowed to interfere in the contract between men. That's your, that's that's international law right there. At its basics. No state can interfere in the contract between men, period. And that's very true, brother man, but he could be acting, he can, 308 could be acting like a man, but the one that he's yes. operating with contracting might be acting as a person. And I, I get yes. what you're saying between men yes. and your. It's kind of, there's, like you said earlier, there's a lot of facets to it. So can you address that so he can get his answer? Right. Well, that that's where you would have to sit down with whoever it is that's wanting the uh, work done and kind of explain some of this to them and say, listen, this is a contract between us. I'm not doing this through a state entity, and I am bonded. You take on liability for whatever you do. Here's my bond. I'm bonded for the work that's done. That way you guys are protected. No, I don't have a license through the state, but that's only because I am giving you the protection myself instead of you looking for the state to protect you. Right. A bond is only insurance. And why do we need insurance? Because that's really the way right? that's the way life works. Everybody is looking for somebody else to cover their butt. And that's well, we the people are. that we're dealing with nowadays. Am I? No, I'm not looking for somebody else to cover me. No, no, no. I'll take no. full responsibility. We are the insurance, correct? Our your labor pardon? is insurance to the country. As a national as a state citizen. Our labor is the insurance. So why do we need insurance? Well, you can get into a whole lot of different meanings of words and stuff like that there. But, I mean, 
if uh, you screw, if well, screws up the job, well, then whatever labor they did isn't going to cover the screw up. Well, let me let me let me let me set in here real quick. I, I touched on this earlier as well. I think it's a it's very important aspect in everybody's life, no matter what you're going through, whether it be a traffic situation, child custody, child support, taxes, some kind of uh, credit issue, or something like that, mortgage or foreclosure. It, it's all commercial, and it's all our own responsibility to step up and learn the finances. And right. that's the problem. If you don't know how to do the finances, then you can't step up and do them yourself. So you're reliant upon the bankers. When you become responsible about it and realize that you're the banker. Okay, Keith, I think we lost you there. Uh, I've got to go back and find you. Hello. All right, you're back. Okay. So, so when we when we realize our position as the banker, um, we learn how to run that private uh, trust account um, using our own property as the collateral, as the insurance, as the surety. We don't need the bonds. We've already bonded ourselves through the private trust. That's the body of our trust. That's the body of our commercial um, uh, commercial value. That's the res. That's what's got the commercial value. Not my body, not my thoughts, but the commercial property, the, the products and goods that can be changed in gold and silver or Federal Reserve notes. And as long as I'm the one that's doing all the conversion of the values, I'm the one that's acting as the banker and using these these other agents as transaction agents and giving them the transactions, ordering the transactions myself through powers of attorney, putting them in their place. That's the proper way to resolve all these errors. That's the proper way to correct them is by ourselves knowing our own finances, period. I think, I think the difficult I think the difficulty, Keith, though, that the caller was bringing up was getting these other parties to feel uh, that they're safe in the situation if there's work being done or something like that. Uh, because these concepts, you know, you and I may may comprehend, but whatever anonymous man or woman we come across on the street you know, that wants some work done, they need some feeling of um security that they're protected do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah well and that's we we find that every day in our our own research and stuff here you know we're trying to find the process and, and this is what i was talking about earlier we're all following different paths and so there's different parts of the process that we're all in and nobody's really got an exact exact answer for the other and that's because it's all relative only to ourselves so we have to find our own answer and again, our own answer starts with those finances. What's our value? What's our face right. value? Are we and, worthy and of our higher? Yeah, and that's why I said if if you want, and if you're dealing in these realms, then you can go to an agency and you can have your own bond done, and you can bond your own company and things like that. That way, these other people 
feel like they have a layer of protection. Um, otherwise, yeah. if if you want to if you want to get into the whole thing of oh my labor's my bond da 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 all that stuff, well then fine you're probably not going to find very much work. That's just that's just the way this realm operates. But otherwise, yeah. you can do this. And guess what? You don't have to do it through yourself. You don't have to be in commerce. You can use your DBA or whatever, and that's the arm's length separation. If you want to look into law and what that's all about. That's your arm's length separation. Yep. That's your division between you and commerce. Yeah. All right. We've been on for a while, Keith. Um, yeah. I think ah. We've covered some good stuff tonight. I mean, and like I always say, this is all about learning who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. Because the majority of people don't comprehend those things. But those are your first yeah. points of learning. Yep, and remember, right, so, we all learn from each other. Like I try to tell absolutely. people, please keep coming forward with your questions and your comments. Um, it helps keep my mind open to things that I'm not thinking about because they're coming from different aspects and different perspectives. So I appreciate it all. Thank you. Absolutely. And, you know, I could keep lines open and do Q&A forever, but unfortunately, one of the things that I run across that most people don't comprehend even in everyday life, when people are talking about different issues as far as court going and stuff, is that everybody is looking at things from the perspective of right and wrong. What's right and wrong? Well, I'm sorry. Today's realm doesn't look at things from that same perspective. They look at it totally differently. And that's one of the reasons why the main word through all these conversations tonight that people need to pick up on is the word separation. Yep. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Keith, good night, brother. Yes, good night. Great talk. Absolutely. Until next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Everybody have a blessed week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.